Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Solutions with Courtney Anderson. I'm Courtney Anderson, and this is our episode number 262. And in this episode, we are going to premiere a brand new series. Our series is the Executive Oasis Series. And in this show, what we are going to do is learn about leadership from a slightly different perspective. One of the things that I am thrilled that we're going to be doing is having this kickoff episode with an incredible guest. Our guest is Neil Reichenberg, and he is the executive director of the International Public Management Association for Human Resources. And I am beyond uh, grateful that Mr. Reichenberg is here with us today on this inaugural Executive Oasis show. And he is going to impart some wisdom and some knowledge, and he is going to enlighten us. So I'd like to see if Neil is with us. Uh, Neil, are you here with us on the show? I am. Pleased to be here. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This show was a little uh, exciting to put together, and we had some technical challenges in a prior uh, occasion. So I want to go ahead and, again, thank you for taking time to join us. And, Neil, this show is an an inauguration of a new series, and our series is the Executive Oasis And what we're doing is looking at leadership from the perspective of what can we do to make the entire culture, the entire workforce be something that is successful by metrics beyond just profit and loss or um, budgetary concerns. We're looking at the holistic approach. So having you here today is an incredible Uh, delight and an honor, and I'm hoping you can take a few minutes at the outset to tell us and our listeners a little bit about IPMAHR. Okay, thank you, and I I appreciate that uh, build-up. It creates a lot of uh, pressure for me to meet these uh, high, lofty expectations you've set, Courtney. But um, so the, the International Public Management Association for Human Resources has been in existence since 1906. Um, I've not been here for all 111 years, but I have been here for the past uh, 37 years. And um, what what we do is that uh, we focus on um, public sector human resource management. And, um, you know, our, our slogan is that we, we provide innovative solutions for public HR excellence. So, you know, our um, entire focus really is on, on HR, but on the government side of um, the equation. And, uh, you know, we, we try to provide um, resources and uh, training and certification programs and publications, all designed with with one goal in mind, which is really to help public sector HR improve organizational performance, which helps to improve the lives of the citizens that they serve. Mike, 
My goodness, Neil, that that's that's amazing. And one of the things that I want to specifically follow up on when I say it's amazing, you referenced your um, mission and you talked about HR excellence, that you're providing solutions for HR excellence. And I'm, I'm curious. I, I know one of the things that we deal with in real life, and uh, I tend to see myself as a pragmatist, is that often we'll have lofty aspirations and we'll say, yes, I absolutely am aiming for excellence or the, the best. And then yet when we go to an organization or we visit an organization in real life, and, and so I've worked with uh, municipalities and counties and states and federal government agencies in, in different countries, sometimes on the ground, people aren't really reaching for excellence. I know that your organization, as you shared, is um, one of the leading founding organizations in the field of uh, public sector HR, and it also is uh, international. But do you see when you're out talking to members, when you're working with organizations that people are committed to excellence, or do you see that people maybe perceive that that's too, too lofty of a goal or, or, or too, too high of a, of a standard to reach? What's your perception on that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, I th I think that um, the <clears throat> members and uh, people that I interact with <clears throat> are um, very committed to trying to move their organizations forward to kind of <clears throat> strive for for excellence. Um, but you know, someone like beauty, it's in the eye of the beholder. And, uh, you know, trying to, to figure out, well, are, are we an excellent organization? I mean, I think it's more, how do you take incremental steps to move in a positive direction? And a lot of times there are outside forces that um, can impact your your ability to, to, to move in a positive direction. And, uh, you know, for example, the recession that hit, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, that caused a lot of organizations to to stake, take steps that they probably would have preferred not to take, but yet they were faced with, you know, an economic reality, particularly at the state and local government levels. You know, they need to have balanced budgets. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not like Washington where they can print more money. And so they had to take a lot of a lot of steps, particularly, um, you know, involving their, their employees, things like um, layoffs, furloughs, um, no pay increases, making people pay more for benefits that everyone knew were, were short-term steps that in the long term were not going to have positive impacts on, um, you know, things like morale, on productivity, on um, retention, and, and, and all those areas. But yet they were, they were faced with a crisis, and they needed to, to react that way. And so, you know, I think I think organizations recognize that, um, you know, shrinking your way to prosperity is at best a very short-term objective that has, you know, potentially long-term negative implications. Um, you know, and then, you know, other outside side factors. I mean, un unfortunately in this, this country, and it's sort of a pendulum that, that swings back and forth, but, but mm -hmm. right now we're in, in an, an era of, you know, an anti-government era. And, you know, I think that's very important unfortunate. Um, to me, government plays a very crucial role in uh, our, our country. Um, you know, it has a direct impact, certainly at, at, at the local level. 
um, on the, the lives of the citizens that, that, that they serve and the communities in, in which they they live. And, you know, and I think it's un- unfortunate that we've, we've seen some political leaders, uh, you know, run against government and, uh, you know, create this kind of negative sentiment. And the reason why it's, I, I think it's particularly damaging is that, you know, government needs to be able to recruit and retain the best and brightest. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very hard when um you know you you hear all these negative things about uh government you know you often say how many people would would join a private sector company if your board of directors was going to be the US Congress <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I i there are so many important points that you laid out there and one thing that i wanted to reach back to was you you talked about incremental steps that you said you know it might be too much or overwhelming for someone to say, how do I go from where I am to this status of excellence, but it's about incremental steps. And then when you'd referenced earlier that you've chosen, you've individually chosen to spend 37 years of your career in this one organization. And then when we tie that to the the issue that you pointed out, and it's, and I, I can say, I, I know I'm sure you've seen it in other countries too. It's, it's not maybe something just in the States, but we we sort of, tend to hear people sort of uh, complain a little or say, oh, the government, they don't, you know, pick up the trash on time or this is wrong and that's wrong. But when we, when we look at it and we put it in terms of things that are important, their daily lives, then I, I mean, I've not been anywhere in the world where people um, completely um, devalue the government. And even if the government's not functioning, in other words, Everybody wants their water to, to come on. They want their trash to get picked up. They want schools that function for their uh, children or, or community. So I know that uh, government sometimes, and it's again internationally, sometimes government and, and government um, servants get maybe a, a bad rap. Uh, but, I, I ha- but, but what they deliver, the services that they deliver, they do directly impact people's lives. And I, I just have to share quickly an anecdote. A few years ago, I volunteered to serve on my HOA, my Homeowners Association, which is in a, in a way a very, very small unit of government where you're governing a right. little tiny defined neighborhood. And before I stepped forward to volunteer, people said to me, why on earth would you do that? That's insane. And I said, well, no, you know, I, I live here and I feel like I need to give back. And so I volunteered and I ended up on the board. And it was uh, one of the most interesting experiences because the littlest decision, I mean, the littlest decision, what's the policy on, you know, trash can removal or just the littlest things can become fraught <laughs> with, you know, everybody's got an opinion. And I also got to see up close how hard it is. Government governing, making decisions for the collective community is hard. And I do agree with you that sometimes it's, it's not appreciated. But one of the, the threads that you've laid out for us, I think that helps us understand why you created an oasis in your workplace, why you stayed for 37 years. If you could tell us a little bit about what is it that brings you the most joy that's made you stay in this organization, in this field for so long when you could be anywhere doing anything. Yeah, and so um, I'll I'll be be honest and say when I started here, I thought I would stay a couple of years, and uh, here I am, thirty seven years later. Um, so, uh, you know, but I I I think if if I was to look at well, well, why did I stay here for so many years? I I think there's there's a variety of of factors, and 
The first one is that I get to work with a a wonderful group of very dedicated volunteer leaders who who really have put the interests of the association and the interests of you know improving public sector HR far be far ahead of you know any personal considerations. Um, oh, two, wow. I've been fortunate to to work with uh, you know a very dedicated staff of um, people who uh, you know contribute a lot to the organization and uh, its its overall success. Um, three, I really enjoy the uh, issues that, that we work on here. My, my background, I'm an attorney, and uh, I worked, before I came here, I worked for a um, law firm uh, involved with, uh, you know, employment, labor and employment litigation. And I, I liked the issues. I didn't particularly like law firm work, um, mm-hmm. so I decided. Well, I wanted to to make a change, and uh, you know, this has been been a great fit for for me. And then, then finally, I am am very committed to the importance of um, you know government, and you know the value of of government and and the services it it provides, and uh, you know. I think in, in particular, when, when you look at local government, uh, several years ago, I uh, testified in, uh, before a congressional committee, and there was a, a mayor on, on the committee who was talking about how in his city, there weren't Republican potholes and Democrat potholes. There were just potholes. Mm-hmm. And the only thing the citizens cared about were whether the potholes were, were filled. And mm-hmm. if they weren't going to be filled, they were going to elect people that could fill it. So, you know, there was less partisanship and, and more a sense of, well, let's roll up our sleeves and figure out what, what do we need to do to move the community forward. Um, you know, you know, and I, and I think that's an attitude that we need in government at all levels today. So, you know, those, those, those are the reasons why I've, I've chosen really to make my, my career here at um, IPMAHR. I also like the fact that I get to, to do a variety of things and, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing different things. And so, you know, that's, also been able to fulfill that need of mine. I love that. I again, so many. This is the most informative and fantastic way to, to kick off this this series, um, Executive Oasis, where we're talking about leadership and we're creating that refuge for people in an organization. Uh, I teach in the uh, graduate school, University of Maryland, University College, and I teach uh, in an MBA program. And I've been teaching at universities for 19 years, <laughs> and it's amazing. I've been at, at that at my university for, for going on 11 years. And when I talk to my students, uh, it, it's amazing the excitement and the optimism that people have, no matter um, if they're younger in life and just starting out. And I have students between the ages of their early 20s to their 70s. Um, but that excitement of the possibilities. And I think when you talked about why you stayed, one, you talked about, and I just have to get it in there, that being a lawyer can be fun, <laughs> and that if you are a lawyer, uh, i got to add that as an attorney myself and, and that I, I encourage people, you can find a way to take that education and craft a career that, that meets your needs. And the other thing that I loved, you talked about the people. One of the great uh, interviews I read about you, um, you recently given an interview where you talked about planning for secession uh, in, in governmental uh, entities and some of the HR challenges facing some of your, your, your members. And my question is this, if you wake up and you go to work and you kind of brush your teeth 
and you think, okay, I'm getting ready to go to work, and I'm looking forward to it, right? <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm getting ready for work, and I think, oh, I got to go to work. But you think, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to work. It might be a good day. Do you think it's an accident that the, that there's a group of people that are um, enjoyable to work with who want to roll up their sleeves and, and contribute, as you talked about, to the service? Or do you, in other words, is it random? If I'm an HR executive or a manager or an organization, do I just throw up my hands and say, you know, the people here are horrible, but, you know, what can you do? Or do you think there's something that HR uh, can do through hiring process, through training, through leadership skills and disseminating the ways to find and retain people that you can either create an environment that people want to be there and it's, it's a pretty good place to be, or do you think it's random? No, I, th- I think you're talking a lot about culture. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think culture of, of organizations starts at the top. It starts with the leadership. Um, what what type of culture do do you want? Um, you know, sort of like what's what's the personality of um, your your organization? And when you you look at it, and uh, you know, you need to hire people that are going to fit in in that particular culture. And you know, we've we've seen examples uh, over the past few years of um, you know cultures that are negative cultures. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the at at Wells Fargo and the, mm-hmm. the scandal they they went through. I mean, that that's that was created by the senior leadership of that company. Mm. Um, you look at uh, United Airlines, and uh, I feel very qualified to talk about them because I fly almost exclusively on United Airlines. And, uh, mm. y- you know, you look at, 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 at what happened, and, uh, you know, now they're taking steps, but it should not have required an incident like that uh, to have to, Figure out what 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 do we need to do to change the culture of our organization, mm-hmm. and and there have been positive examples of um, you know organizations that are doing very positive things around uh, creating that that culture that they want. I mean, one that that pops into mind um, to use a sports organization. Look look at the Chicago Cubs. <clears throat> they hadn't won the World Series in 108 years. They brought in a new wow. president, and he set up a plan. And, uh, you know, part of his plan was that he was going to change the culture and that he recognized that the character mattered as much as did the talent of, um, you know, the the players that the team signed. And, uh, you know, he, he turned around and, and in five years won the World Series, um, taking Fantastic. an organization and – and changing its its culture. And remember, 108 years when when they reached the hundredth anniversary of not having won the World Series, their fans were wearing T-shirts that said, "Anyone can have a bad century." <laughs> okay. And then, I, I I love that because I'm going to take a positive of that because you know what? Anyone can have a bad century. And I, right. I know I. I I had just read that. I believe the oldest person alive, I think she was 117, and she was born in the, in the 1800s and had just passed away. And so anybody can have a bad century, and maybe, you know, uh, we're willing that we'll live long enough, right, to see a bad century. But one of the things I wanted to follow up with was that one of the ways I became uh, in a position to be able to invite you onto our show is that I've um, been brought on as part of the fantastic uh, 
your training conference and expo, the 2017 2017 uh, training international training conference and expo is in San Antonio, Texas in September, and I have the the privilege of being part of that uh, um, and serving as a keynote speaker on just one of the days. But throughout the training conference, when you when you talk to your members and you listen to people. And I, I used to travel 300 days a year around the world, going to organizations doing human resource training and employment management uh, analysis and um, consulting. And I've seen a lot. I mean, I, I've seen organizations. I was at a government entity one time. And bef- so I'm doing a sort of a, a pre-planning meeting and, and someone in the, I think it was an HR. And they said, well, uh, there'll be a guy. He probably won't show up. But if he does show up, he may uh, you know, be disruptive. Um, or yell things, or, or, you know, we don't know what he'll do. We're all, you know, kind of frightened of him. But we're just sort of waiting until he retires. And he only has, you know, like eight years left. And we're all sort of waiting him out. But, but they were warning me. They were warning me that there was one person sort of so toxic and disruptive that they were frightened that that person may even try to disrupt this, this opportunity that we were going to be having this all-hands-on-deck, you know, learning session. And I was stunned. You know, I, I, we, we talked about and we worked on implementing programs to understand that's not an accident. And you can't be held hostage by, by one or even a couple of people who, who are, you know, abusive or bullying or, or doing things that could even constitute illegal harassment. And what you're going to be providing for your organization, what you do every year, is have this, this meeting where you bring together the best and the brightest. And you try to help people understand you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are experts out there. You know, you name a problem, and I can pretty much find you an expert somewhere who's been, you know, spending their whole career working on this, and they can share knowledge with you to, to speed up your ability to, to create a, a better outcome. So can you talk to us a little bit about why people want to come or should come to the, to the event there in San Antonio, uh, September 16th through the 20th, and what, is, and what your expectations are as executive director when you plan these events over here? Right, and um, first, let me say we're 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 thrilled you're going to be joining us um, in in San Antonio, Courtney, and uh, we're 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 definitely looking forward to to hearing what what you have to share with uh, you know the conference part participants. And you know, one of the things we're we're particularly excited about um, for this year's conference is uh, that. We have um, recently released a, a report titled HR 2020, Shifting Perspectives, a Vision for um, Public Sector HR. And, you know, we, we did this report for, for a few reasons. Um, you know, if you ask leaders of organizations today, what's your most important asset? What's the key to achieving your mission no matter what sector it is, they're probably going to say it's it's our people, it's our talent, mm-hmm. and you know, as I often say, the the HR department is the only department within organizations that has the people as its primary mission. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, this should be a wonderful time to be working in human resource management. But despite that, there has been over the years and continues to be criticism. Mm-hmm. of of HR, you know, they're the rules police, whatever, uh, they're the people who say no. And and I think a lot of that has um changed certainly over the the course of 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 my career, but we we did this um study and issued this this report to try to help 
public sector HR to move from from being seen as transactional to being more transformational within mm-hmm. their organizations. And what we've done in, in the report is that we've identified five focus areas, which are leadership, culture, talent, technology, and communications. And what we've said is that people in public HR need to view these focus areas through three lenses, those being business acumen, innovation, and strategic orientation. And we we believe if, if people will start to look at these focus areas through those particular lenses, that, um, you know, this will really help them to uh, move forward and uh, to transform H- HR within their, their organizations. You know, for years, HR has said, well, we don't have a seat at the table, and as if there's some <laughs> mythical table somewhere. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's focusing on, on the wrong aspect. What you should really be focusing in on is how do we add value to the organization? Because if you add value to the organization, to the extent that there is this mythical table, there'll be a chair there with a brass plate with your name on it. And anytime they're talking about anything that involves the people in the organization, they're going to want HR there to provide its um, perspective and and to make sure that 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 the decisions that they are making are you know taking into effect the impact on on the people of the organization. So, you know, one of the things we're really going to focus on in in San Antonio is around the HR 2020 um report and on the focus areas and uh you know, how can we provide practical information and tools that will enable the conference participants to take HR 2020 home with them? And to start to implement it um, within their their organizations, um, you know, we have just finalized assessments that uh, HR departments and HR professionals can take that that will enable them to kind of assess where they are in relation to the five focus areas and the strategic lenses, and uh, you know, and then they can see well, well, where do we have gaps? Where where do we need to uh, you know invest in? in development and and how can we move forward. We also have an assessment that HR can give to its its business partners, its its primary customers and say, well, well, how do you think we are doing in these particular areas? And so, you know, we're we're really dedicated to to trying to move the public HR profession forward um, to make it to be more of a strategic player within in their organizations and and one of the great things about the public sector is that uh you know governments are not really competitors and so people are very open about sharing and uh you know at our conference in San Antonio people will get a lot of practical information they'll get to learn about what uh you know other public sector HR departments are doing that are that are innovative, that are that are more strategic in, in in nature. There are a lot of networking opportunities where you know people can 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 meet other people informally and, and share information and make contacts. You know, so that if people have uh, you know a need for for in, information, um, they they have people to reach reach out to. You know, one of the things that that we we do here at, at IPMA HR is really to try to create communities. 
mm. of people that are working, you know, in public sector HR, whether it's, you know, as HR directors or whether it's in, you know, an area like compensation where where they can come together and if they have questions, they, 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 they can share information um, very freely and, uh, you know, get, get assistance. So like you said earlier, don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and sometimes finding out what didn't work can be as valuable <laughs> as finding out what did work, right? <laughs> you can avoid some pitfalls. It's, it's always a good thing. I, so one of the things that's impressive, and as I said, I've, I've, I've had the, the, the pleasure and the privilege and the, and the challenge sometimes. I've been to I don't know how many conferences as, as an attendee, as a, as a keynote speaker, as a subject matter expert. Um, and the best ones have what you're describing, that holistic approach where you look at what, what you could do to take back to your organization, but also for individuals. Uh, and we only have a, a, about a minute and a half left here in the show. And I think one thing you touched on really well throughout this interview, which again was one of the most generous um, ways that you could have spent your time sharing your knowledge and expertise is when somebody's looking at entering the field of HR and, and uh, sometimes again, whether it's a, a student of mine or just anyone else I, I talk to in life and they say, you know, I don't know what I want to do. They say, I have no clue. And then I, I serve to people. I said, well, I don't either. I mean, they, you know, I mean, life is, should be an ongoing series of, of, of opportunities and adventures and, and things that go well and things that are disastrous. But I think that what you talked about individually, how you were able through IPMA and 37 years to do IPMA HR to do different things. So you're not bored. And I think that the conference and your organization overall, if someone joins it, it, it will allow them to take things for their individual growth and career aspirations and interests and also to apply it to organizations. So we only have about 20 seconds left. Uh, the time flew by. Uh, again, this meant so much to me. We have listeners around the world, and I know a lot of uh, places I visited and, and parts of the world, the U.S. is the leader, is the gold standard, and I know IPMA HR is the gold standard in your field for human resources, public sector. So thank you so much for joining us, Neil, and thank you for listening. It's uh, a pleasure, and I appreciate the opportunity to participate and look forward to, to meeting you in person in San Antonio. Thank you. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.